Welcome to the Three Lines of Defence podcast, the show that provides in-depth discussion into the world of audit, compliance and risk. We bring valuable insights, market information and career advice from industry leaders. Here's your host, Mark Enticott. On today's show, we have Scott Burton, who is the APAC Regional Head of Anti-Financial Crime at Deutsche Bank. Scott started his career at Anderson Consulting. He joined Credit Suisse in 1998, where he worked in various roles, including Regional Head of AML. After 15 years with Credit Suisse, Scott joined JP Morgan as Regional Head of FCC, where he built out a significant-sized team of more than 130 people over a seven-year period. In 2017, Scott joined Deutsche Bank in his current role. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Nice to talk to you. I'd like to start off with your early life. Can you share a little bit more about where you grew up? Sure. So I grew up in Australia. I grew up in Queensland in the north. I went to a boys' school there, the Southport School, and then after completing high school, I went to the University of Queensland and did a, a Bachelor of Arts in communications and a Bachelor of Economics. The area that I grew up in was beachside, so I've always had a love for the beach and uh, a love for the outdoors. And in terms of your the development of your career, what made you enter the banking financial services sector and, and also develop your career within FCC? So I would say that I was a person that did not have a direct interest in any particular area. I think I landed in this area just by chance. And you know, I think I'm quite fortunate that that's the way things have happened. I started my career as, you know, is based on research, due diligence, those sorts of things. So uh, the finance industry wasn't anything that, you know, was something that I was, you know, really had my heart set on. As you mentioned in the intro, I you know started off in consulting work, and then there was an opportunity to move to a financial institution to Credit Suisse First Boston in Hong Kong, and I thought it was a good opportunity to um, you know to take up. I think it was more the opportunity to work in Hong Kong as opposed to the financial institution itself and the work that I was doing there. It started off to be a project-related role. So that was largely using my consulting skills. And the role then over time just morphed into a compliance role and more specifically financial crime compliance. So, you know, when we talk about the timing, this was 1998 and I started off in a, in a project role. I completed the project and there was then some work that was to do with setting up a a know your customer program for the bank. I thought, you know, this would be a good opportunity. What transpired then was, you know, during the course of that particular piece of project work was that in the early 2000s, we had September 11, uh, we had the Bali bombings, etc. So my interest in the financial crime area within financial institutions actually came as a result of this area tending to evolve over time. So I would say that I was just possibly in the right place at the right time. And you know, now, over 20 years on, I think I'm very fortunate to have worked in this particular field. And it's been a, a very interesting field. It's been a, an evolving field and you know, certainly an area of challenge. And I think you know, the other thing, too, that 
you know, in terms of work satisfaction is that this is a job that you feel that you're doing a public good. Obviously, you know, you're reasonably well paid for the work that you do, but, you know, there is a public good element to this as well, which I think gives a great deal of satisfaction. Has there been a particular key mentor in your career that has helped develop your career and leadership style? I don't think there's been anyone in particular, but I've worked with some very good people over over time. And I think what I do is I tend to relate to or I, or I tend to identify the strengths of people and, you know, think that, well, that's the certain things that I should do as well. So, you know, on the flip side, there's things that you see that aren't done so well and, you you know, you learn from those situations too. So I would say that I haven't had a specific mentor as such, but I've certainly worked with some very good people, you know, some very clever people, some, you know, people that have great managerial ability and have been able to learn off those people and take certain elements of the things that they do very well and try and apply that myself. Has there been a significant turning point in your career that you look back on now and think that that was quite critical in getting, you know, you are where in the position that you're in now? I think that I'm very proud of the fact that I worked in one organization for 15 years. I think that was an opportunity to get some stability and build a foundation and to work through an organization. And I think that decision to do that because, you know, during that time over the 15 years, your approach to various roles, but I always thought that it was best to try and do a, a large chunk of my career in, in one place and get the most out of that in terms of career development and in terms of trying to work through the, the various levels of promotion there. And I think that's helped me in good stead. When you look at, you know, significant challenges in your career, obviously throughout the last 10 years, you've had massive challenges from a regulatory point of view and building out FCC programs and frameworks and teams, et cetera. Is there one significant challenge that you look back on in your career and and how did you overcome it? There's always challenges. So, look, I think one of the key things in, in compliance, which is a perennial challenge, is really about trying to do, you know, the compliance role of the AFC or the financial crime compliance role in a way that is cost-effective and is seen to be commercially pragmatic. I think, you know, that's a challenge that is faced on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, we're a, a control function. We want to put in place the right controls for the financial institution, but you need to do that in a cost-effective way. You need to be client-friendly, so to speak. And that is a challenge that I think not all of the financial crime industry has, has taken to heart, so to speak. I think it's, you know, first and foremost, we are a control function. But you need to have that commercial element. You need to have that, um, you know, that client service element. Um, you can't say no all the time. You need to, you know, make sure that you try and find a solution to um, the the problems that the bank faces in relation to client onboarding or whatever it is. Um, you know, to ensure um, efficiency, ensure cost effectiveness. So, I think. That is a challenge that I've seen throughout my career. And I think, um, you know, you build a, a large degree of credibility by um, having that mindset, um, but always thinking 
uh, first and foremost that the role that I play and the role that my team plays is is one of um, making sure that the bank has the right controls in place. As I mentioned earlier in my introduction, you've managed significant sized teams. What do you think are the key attributes of an effective leader? The key attributes, I would say, would be making sure that you have respect for each team member, making sure that you listen to what people have to say, um, that uh, that you're fair. Um, and I think it just it always just comes back to treating people as you like to be treated with respect. And there's always, you know, from a managerial element, there's always, um, you know, the overarching thing of we, you know, we we as a team we need to get things done, we need to execute. Um, but doing that in, in a way that that people are rewarded for that uh, for that execution for being able to deliver things on time. Um, you know, I think there's some old-fashioned principles there that, um, you know, you you like you need to bring out from um, a leadership perspective, which are, you know, honesty, trust, integrity, all those sorts of things which um, enable a degree of, of respect to be um, obtained in a, in a leadership position. What do you look for when you're hiring for your teams? In terms of individuals, look, I think it's a mix of strong technical ability, making sure that people have the mentality around being able to work within a team and being able to execute. I think are the three key fundamentals for me. And in your role as responsible for the APAC region, what are some of the key challenges of covering a region like Asia, in your view? In all the roles I've had, there's been a number of countries involved. So I think it's understanding the nuances of each jurisdiction. At the present time, I have responsibility for 14 countries around the region. And there's always, um, you know, complexities with, with each of those jurisdictions that you need to understand. And because I've been, um, you know, involved in this style of job for a, a long period of, of, of time now, I'm quite attuned to those, um, those complexities, the nuances, whether it be um, interactions with, with individuals or, or the legislation or, you know, what is not uh, written down in, in law or regulation, um, being able to understand all those things. It's always, uh, um, you know, an interesting point when you work in a global financial institution that sometimes those complexities aren't fully un- understood um, you know, more broadly by your colleagues in the rest of the world. And, um, uh, you know, it's a thing that I often spend a fair bit of time trying to, uh, trying to communicate those complexities. There's been a lot of discussion around and debate around sort of AML program effectiveness. What's your views around the current AML program effectiveness? Look, I think this is a very key topic for the you know, for the financial crime industry, if you like, I think it's, you know, making sure what we're doing is effective. And this is, look, it's, it's topical at Wolfsburg. Um, there are a number of commentators talking about it as well. And, you know, I think that the financial institutions and, you know, the, the economy at large really needs to get value out of, you know, what all 
the financial crime compliance professionals do to make sure that you know we're doing it in a very cost-effective way, that we are finding suspicious activity, identifying it, passing it on to the to the authorities. So, you know, this is a challenge that comes down to the you know one of the fundamentals that you know some of the first words that I ever came across when I started to look into this area in, in 1998 was, you know, in words from the FATF was, you know, ensuring that you take a risk-based approach. You know, over time, because banks weren't doing the, the right thing, that regulation and rule became much more prescriptive. And it's got to a point where that prescriptiveness has been a hindrance to effectiveness to a certain extent. You know, so I think the industry as a whole you know, has to work together and it's not just financial crime compliance professionals, it's the regulators, it's the enforcement bodies, that we need to make sure that we're all talking, communicating, working out more effective ways to do things to you know, ultimately uncover you know, real suspicious activity. When you look at, and you've touched on this just briefly before about the, the cost and being cost effective, when you look at the cost of AML programs, it's been extremely significant for global institutions since the global financial crisis. What do you see as some of the ways that we can become more effective and reduce the costs of AML going forward? Yeah, and this ties into the, the last question, certainly. So, you know, the use of artificial intelligence, you know, further automation, the use of KYC utilities, you know, these things are areas where you know, all banks are already starting to focus on and make gains in terms of efficiency, in terms of effectiveness of their financial crime compliance program. The KYC utility one is an interesting one. It's been around, or the concept or the idea has been around for quite a period of time, but the industry as a whole hasn't been able to crack this nut in terms of allowing the possibility of a KYC utility to be built can make the whole know your customer process a lot more efficient, a lot more effective, reducing duplication. And there's a huge amount of resources poured into doing know your customer. And to have a utility where everybody could rely on information within that utility to a large degree would cut costs down dramatically. So, you know, this is an area that, you know, is really close to my heart. And, you know, as I've sort of moved on, you know, through my career and, you know, more at the senior end now that I'm involved in trying to push these ideas to lobby, you know, where there's the possibility to do so to, you know, to get change in this area. And I hope to do that a lot more over the next, over the next couple of years as I see it, you know, as a, as a real opportunity to make a, you know, a broader change to the industry that I've been involved in, you know, for the last 20 years or so. Is privacy one of the key roadblocks in a KYC utility or is it just having different countries with different regulations and laws, et cetera? What are the roadblocks there? I think it's the main roadblock in privacy and, you know, whether this utility is done you know, cross-jurisdictional, you know, are some of the issues which are hurdles which I think can be, be overcome. But I think it's also working with the regulators to make sure that whatever is put in place is something that they see as reasonable and that financial institutions can rely on to use as part of their K 
KYC due diligence. And you touched on AI. Where do you see AI going and the role it will play within FCC? Yeah, look, it's an interesting question. And when you're talking about people's careers, there is a lot of manual work in financial crime, and that that will be slowly taken over by artificial intelligence. So, you know, when I'm talking to to my team here in the region, we often, you know, try to talk about what the future will bring and, and help to plan people's careers and making sure that, you know, they're ahead of this curve or ahead of the wave of artificial intelligence, which will undoubtedly come. It's already, you know, starting to show signs of taking out a lot of the, you know, the, the manual intensive work that is done in the financial crime compliance space, you know, uh, relating to name screening or client screening in the monitoring area where a lot of the basic work in those areas, you know, can be done by artificial intelligence. And, you know, I've even seen a, an example in the monitoring area just, just recently, one of the software providers was providing a demonstration where for the monitoring area that they believe they have a artificial intelligence tool that can take away 80% of the work that is currently done by analysts, which is, you know, a huge step forward. And, and what that means for, you know, for, for people is that, look, there will always be a role for humans in the process. But, you know, we need to make sure that the junior level staff are constantly upskilling, constantly upgrading their knowledge to get ahead of the, the artificial, artificial intelligence wave that no doubt will come. And I think that's a really good point because we uh, there's been a previous podcast where that has also been mentioned about the impact of technology and you know people being very aware of it's all happening now and to upskill and and position themselves that they're not out of a job uh, in the future. So I think that's a, a very valid point. Yeah, and I would um, you know talking about career advice and just extending on that point is the areas that. You know, people can get ahead by having, you know, a much greater understanding of the technology. So, you know, I do ask my team to make sure that they're reading up on the latest. We often have consultants who, who come into the, um, into the bank to talk about, uh, new software, uh, et cetera. So just even by those things, you can gain a lot of understanding of, of what's of what's coming and what that means for you and what that means for your job, um, so you know I think um, that increase in learning there is really is really important and I think you know the other area is obviously the fintech space and understanding how um, fintech uh, will impact uh, fintech and regtech will will impact um, what we do. Um, and from a fintech perspective, um, the type of clients that financial institutions will have, how their underlying processes work, um, and being able to quickly come to grips with um, the underlying programs that fintechs have and the ability to understand that, that skill set will be one that is of great value in, in the next few years. What's your thoughts on job mobility and how do you think that advances an individual's career? Yeah, look, I think job mobility is something that I always 
in the organisations that I've worked for is something that I always try and push and where there are opportunities for people to to move within the various areas of financial crime compliance or to move within regions. It's always been something that I've strongly endorsed and it's just that perspective that you get working in different locations or you know working in a different area within financial crime compliance and look I think it's you know for that part there's you know, certainly opportunities in staying in the same line so if you're in, in sanctions and you can you can build up your experience and be a, a sanctions expert for example or you get that broader exposure broader experience across a number of the financial crime compliance areas and that makes you a very you know well-rounded financial crime compliance individual and that that can set you up for a job like mine for example a, a regional role a country head role so i think uh there's two ways to look at that certainly having a very high degree of, of, of specialization is a good thing but then you know branching out and trying to get as much experience particularly when you're in the early stages of, of your career can provide a great benefit further down the track. The world's obviously right at the moment uh, in shutdown with the current coronavirus crisis that we're all experiencing. How are you and your teams finding it working remotely and, and what are you doing as a leader in terms of keeping the team together and, and focused on what they need to be uh, achieving? Yeah, and I'm working from home now doing this podcast from home, for me and a number of members of the team, and you know, particularly because I'm in a in a regional role, you know, working from home or you know, working in a virtual environment is something that I've been used to for a, a period of time. So you know, if I'm based in Hong Kong, and you know, I have to speak with colleagues in Singapore, I've got to speak to colleagues in Frankfurt. You know, that's all done in a very sort of dynamic, flexible environment, and you know, for me, this work from home thing is very easy to adapt to. I think for a number of members in, in a team, it's been pretty much the same. For others, it's been a little bit of a new experience. I would say at Deutsche Bank, it's been a pretty seamless transition. The, the business continuity plans that we had in place were very effective. The technology support has been very effective. So it's interesting. We actually got some very good feedback from our business colleagues just last week in terms of how they feel that the support that they've received from the financial crime compliance function, you know, it hasn't missed a beat. So, you know, I think, you know, this way of working and maybe this situation that we face now with COVID-19 may change as the way we work in the future. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. But um, I think while we do it, one of the most important things is making sure that everybody's communicating, everybody's connected, that everybody is feeling okay about this environment and, and, and the challenges that we face. And that high degree of connection and strong communication is it's always important, but it's even more important in this environment. Within the senior leadership positions that you've held, how have you gone about managing, you know, obviously the high level of stress and work pressure you would have experienced throughout your career? What's been the way that you've you've managed that pressure and stress? For me, and everybody's different, but for me it's really been about, you know, my stress release and these jobs are, are stressful. Let's you know, let's face it, there's demands 
from a regulator or there's demands from the business in terms of trying to get a transaction approved, my release or my way of dealing with the stress is is via exercise. And I think, you know, I think it's, you know, it could be different for other people, but, uh, you know, it could be, you know, they like playing music after work or, you know, I think it's just finding something that you like doing that reduces your stress, you know, from your daily work. It, it could be a, a variety of things, but for me, my stress release has always been exercise. I've been an, you know, an avid exerciser, whether it be, you know, triathlons or swimming or surfing or things like that. They're the things that, that keep me calm, keep me happy, keep me on a good balance. So you, you touched on a few then. What, what are your passions outside of work? <laughs> yeah, my, I still enjoy, and even though I'm starting to get old and falling apart, I still like to. <laughs> We all are, uh, Scott. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, competitive ocean ocean swimming, triathlons. I still like to go surfing when I can, even though in Hong Kong it's not that easy to do it. But I like to, like to keep myself active. That keeps me happy. It keeps me in a balanced place. Scott, thank you so much for the fantastic insight into your career, leadership, your thoughts around mentoring, and also sharing your views around you know, the current AML program, effectiveness, KYC, utility, and uh, looking at AI as well. It's uh, been very interesting. Oh, thank you. And um, hope everybody can stay safe and well over this next period of time. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening to the show. We encourage you to subscribe and feel free to share, rate us, and leave a review. If there's anything you'd specifically like us to cover, email us at markenticott at bowenpartners.com. Thank you.